Hello, and welcome to Writing the Coast. I'm your host, Megan Cole, and Writing the Coast is the official podcast of the BC and Yukon Book Prizes. On Writing the Coast, you'll hear conversations with the winners and finalists of the annual BC and Yukon Book Prizes, as well as interviews with book lovers from across the province and territory. My guest for this episode is Monique Graysmith. Monique's book, I Hope, published by Orca Book Publishers, was a finalist for the 2023 Bill Duthie Booksellers Choice Award. On this episode, Monique talks about how she keeps hope and why it was important to write a book about hope for young readers. Here's my conversation with Monique Graysmith. My first question for you is, who are you? <laughs> That's like the big question. Uh, I'm not sure. Nope, just kidding. Well, Tanse, my name's Monique Graysmith. Uh, another name I carry is Mystique Washkigos, meaning a little drum when translated from Cree to English. And I'm also known as Mama. And I think that's probably my favorite way of being known. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you're you're with me today uh, to talk about another th- thing you're known as, which is writer. Um, right. And you we're talking about a book called I Hope. And for those who haven't seen the book, can you describe it a bit for our listeners? Yeah. So it is a children's picture book, I think for like ages five to nine, really. But it's so interesting because I also hear from so many adults how much it has also impacted them as they read it, either to children or they see it in the bookstore or they've seen it as a shortlist for the BC and Yukon Book Prizes. It's a book uh, that I think we as adults in the lives of children and young people, the hopes that we have for them, ranging from, you know, I hope that when sad tears leave your eyes, there's someone there to catch them. I hope that you, you know, are a caretaker of Mother Earth. I hope that you have healthy food, clean water, and a safe place to sleep. Those are just a few examples. And then at the end, it says, you know, I hope you always remember that you matter and that you're special. And I wonder, I have lots of hopes for you and for me, but I wonder, what are your hopes? And leaving the children with that question to think about what are their hopes? Because we are in a society that is very grind focused, right? Have the goals, do this, meet this, do this. Whereas hopes are just a gentler way to think about what do I want to cultivate in my life? What do I want to have more of in my life? And, and not only what do I want to have, but also how do I want to be? Mm-hmm. And like it's kind of that reciprocal way of being with hope. So that's what to me, I hope is about illustrated by the incredible Gabrielle Grimard, who whose work always astounds me. The colors she chooses are just magnificent and published by Orca Book Publishers. Yeah, it's it's such a beautiful book from cover to cover. Like the illustrations are gorgeous, too. And mm-hmm. what's really special, too, about this book, of course, is that it's written in English and Cree. Um, what was it like for you to be able to offer this story in Cree as well? 
Well, that's Orca Book Publishers, yeah. right? The visions of Andrew and Ruth at Orca to see, okay, how many books that we have by Indigenous authors or illustrators can we publish in their language? Mm-hmm. And then what are the other languages also that we can publish in? So for me, whenever I see it in Nihawayoan or Cree, I, I'm, I can just feel my whole being soften. And I am by no means anywhere near being, you know, literate in Cree or fluent. But even just hearing some of the sounds and seeing the words, as I said, just softens me. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also, too, one of those things like for for, you know, English speaking settler kids or or even children who grew out grew up or growing up without their language. Um, I think it's important for all of us to be familiar with the languages that are spoken uh, within our borders, because I think so often we we really just see English on the page and we forget how many languages mm-hmm. there are here. And how important it is for children to see their language mm-hmm. on the page. And it's also one of the things that I love about Orca is that they always leave space below so that, you know, if another language is spoken in the school, uh, on the territory, in the home, that that language can be there also so that children can see and experience themselves on the pages. I think that we can't underestimate how important that is. You you mentioned uh about hope and how, you know, as we become adults, all our attention shifts to entirely different things, things that seem much more immediate. Um, why did you want to make a book about hope for kids? But I think importantly, this book is probably read with their adults. So in turn, it probably becomes a book for about hope for adults, too. Mm-hmm. It came, I was on holidays with my family, and uh, both When We Are Kind and I Hope came as a gift on that same holiday. It just took much longer for it to come into the world. So it took a little longer for, for this book to come, but but what was it about that idea of hope you think that, that really needed to come out, maybe at this time in particular? Well, that's what's so interesting to me always, right? When when the gift of a book comes and I write it, that then it's kind of out of my hands. And so I submitted this to Orca Book Publishers in 2019, mm-hmm. and it didn't come out till 2023. So it took a while. It took a process. And had it come out in 2019, maybe it wouldn't have resonated in the same way. When it came out, you know, we were kind of on the cusp of <clears> – <throat> the pandemic and, and, you know, learners being back in the classroom or activities happening at libraries. So it had a a momentum and it had an energy around, okay, let's hope again. Let's have hope again. I think also at the same time, well, about two months later, Braiding Sweetgrass for Young Adults came out. And to me, that book and Braiding Sweetgrass, the original by Dr. Robin Wall Kimmer, are books about hope. Mm -hmm. They're books about what it, what can we as humans do to make change? What can we as humans do to care for ourselves, for each other, and for our non-human relatives? Mm-hmm. And much of that same messaging is in I Hope. Yeah. It feels too like like hope. We we need hope all the time, but it, it feels like a, a, a message that we need particularly with the challenges that are happening in the world around us. And I know you spoke to a classroom this morning 
and and read this book. How's the response continued to be around this book? Are, are teachers, I mean, I think teachers will always want to hear you read all your books. Um, you <laughs> just are so wonderful with young readers, but it just feels like, I don't know. I, I was looking at it this morning and I was it just felt like a balm too for what we're mm-hmm. dealing with in the news today. Yes. And yeah, yeah. I hear from teachers a lot about how they're using in different ways. I got this beautiful message from an educator in Melfort, Saskatchewan at the beginning of the year where she was saying what she did was she brought the kindergarten families in. So if you remember kindergarten, like you're giving your children over to kind of this system, usually that, you know, this trepidation for the adults, for the children, usually for almost everyone, except for some temperance that are like, yes, let's go. (laughs) I've been waiting for this. (laughs) Bye-bye whoever the adults are, right? But mostly there's some trepidation. And so what she she just said, you know, adults, you're welcome to stay. And what she had them do was this activity about what are their hopes as the adults in the lives of the children for the year? And she said, so they had all these beautiful flip charts up in the room with all the hopes of the adults that love these students. And she said, and I just watched that there are some days when their shoulders are a little more down, when the eye eyelashes are a little more down, sort of that it takes more work to make anything happen in the class. She said the next day they come in and I've put those posters back up and everything changes. Yeah. So I think that's an example, right? When children remember that we as adults have hopes for them, it's not that we want them necessarily to do or be anything specific, but we do have hopes for them. Mm-hmm. You know, that they be kind, that they be generous, that they take care of the earth, they take other care of other humans, <clears throat> they be respectful, they share things that we think are simple. But as you said earlier, you know, what's what we see happening in the world today, they're not always simple things anymore, you know. So they help children and the adults remember the importance of kindness and of love and of sharing and care for each other. And today I heard from another educator saying, you know, I read this at the beginning of the year when we came back in January, she said, because I didn't want my students to be caught in that. You got to set goals and it's the start of the year. And she's like, let's just talk about what our hopes are. Mm -hmm. So I do, I hear from educators quite often about how they're, And last year, it was surprising to me, in June, how many principals from high schools I heard from who read, I hope, at their final assembly or the grade 12 graduation. And I think that's sort of the beautiful piece when a gift comes as an idea for a book. And then, you know, as writers, we massage it and work with it. And then the illustrator does their beautiful collaborations. The, The publisher gets the book out in the world. We really have no idea how it's going to be of influence or impact. And I think that's part of the beauty of the project. Yeah. Yeah. There's something so interesting to you, like as you've been talking about this, the jet, the implied gentleness of, of the word I, of the words I hope, like it, it's not, it's so different than like, you know, I want or I need, or I, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's just, you can't talk about hopes without kind of like being at ease and being like, 
more mm-hmm. softer and kinder to yourself and kinder to the world and the uh, other people. Like it just has a very different feel to it. Mm-hmm. And they don't have deadlines, right? Like I did up at the beginning of 2023, I did, I, I'm pointing up here on my wall. I still have it up, you know, 23 hopes for 2023 because I needed some, you know, some energy, some light, some hope. And so as I look at them, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's happened. That's going to happen. I know the date that's happening. That's happening. Right. So and that's how I'm feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to be purposeful in people actually talking about their hopes. Yeah. It, It is similar to our goals when we talk about them, when we write them down, when we create something that we can see as a visual reminder, they're way more likely to happen. Or for us to cultivate for them to happen. And it's the same with our hopes. We have to help raise a generation that talks about hope. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, you write so much for young readers. And uh, I wondered if you could talk about the greatest joys for you in writing books for young readers. Ooh. Hmm. <laughs> That's that's a big question, because I think there's so many joys. I think it's so interesting, because I think actually the greatest joy is when that, and I call it a gift, right? When that gift of the idea for the book comes, I think that's my greatest joy, because I can like actually feel like, oh my gosh, I can imagine kindergarten class or a grade three class reading this. And then talking about hope. And so what would I want them then to be, what would be some examples for them to think about in regards to hope so that we can, you know, understand our common humanity, understand how we can care for each other. So I think that's my greatest joy. I I know probably people expect like being in the class when children read it and those pieces, but I think it's the gift of the idea. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any parts of the process that you really don't enjoy? The challenges? Oh, sometimes I'm not very patient in waiting for the book to come. <laughs> like four years is a long time to wait. Yes. <laughs> and then I remember the teaching, right? All good things in their rightful time. Yeah. So then it's like, okay, not my schedule. Yeah. And having that faith, right? That everything's being taken care of in a way that will create something that will influence the hearts and minds and spirits of the readers. Yeah. Yeah. The the patience part is so hard, especially in publishing, because it is, it's very, it's very slow and there's so many unexpected hiccups. Sometimes we've seen them all in the past four years, I feel. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, that's, that's a big one. Yeah. But then you see the illustrations and it's like, Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. That's magnificent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I just saw the cover for a new book that Nicole Neidhart and I are working on together called Dreaming Alongside. And I was just like, wow, she's so gifted. Yeah. You know, I I love this about illustrators. They're so incredibly talented. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. Do you want to talk more about that relationship? Because I'm always like, I I love hearing about 
about that with children's book authors because it's something that I think like until I started doing this job, I knew nothing about how how authors and illustrators work together. Um, so what's that like for you? And, and maybe in particular with I Hope, like what was that experience like? Was it different with I Hope than it had been for other books? I had submitted the manuscript to Orca Book Publishers and they had bought it. And uh, and an illustrator had not yet been chosen. And I was part of, you know, in Nanaimo, they, they have this amazing day for children and young people with authors and illustrators. My apologies, Nanaimo, I cannot, Nanaimo Library, I cannot remember the name of the day, but it's this amazing full day. And Gabrielle Grimard was there and she was doing a workshop. So I went and sat in on her workshop and she was talking with the children about if I'm feeling this, what color in the palette might I use? I was like, oh, I love that you're thinking that way around what are the emotions that a color will elicit on the page for children. And so I had a visit with her after, and then I asked Orca if they could see if she might be available to illustrate, I hope. And she had a few projects already that she was working on. That's part of what took so long. Yeah. Um, and and I know that my experience is not always what happens. So my experience is that usually I get to see the hand-drawn illustrations to see if they're kind of in alignment with what I was thinking. Sometimes I share some images because when you're writing, sometimes an image does come, right, with, with a line or with two lines in a children's picture book. So that's shared. But it really is, you know, the collaboration, right? And and Ruth Linka at Orca reminded me that so beautifully one day because I was like, oh, I'd really like this change. And she's like, well, it is a collaboration. And this is the vision of the illustrator. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and it was humbling for me because it's like, yes, that's right. Thank you for that reminder, Ruth, you know, that that we are collaborating together. And I know for some people that doesn't happen, that they submit their manuscript and then they get the book. Yeah. And they might not have seen any illustrations at all. Yeah. So it really is varied. Yeah. But I feel very blessed that usually I get to see the illustrations and have have a little bit of input. And then that input can be taken or not from the illustrator. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is, it's so interesting how the relationship varies from project to project. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I've talked to so many people where, you know, I've talked to um, Julie Morstead and Keo McClear, who, of course, work very closely on some books and even choose the subject of their books together. And then, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I talked to um, David and Ju David Robinson and Julie Flett last year about On the Trap Line. So it's like just hearing how everyone's experiences mm -hmm. are. It's just so interesting. And and how collaborative it is because when you see the a picture book is like the the illustrations and how they appear with the text it's all so important for how the story is conveyed mm -hmm. it totally is well for braiding sweetgrass for young adults i traveled to santa fe nicole neidhart was living there at the time and i spent a week there and we just went to coffee shops sat at our family table and really explored every single illustration and I know that can't happen for every picture book, but I, there's something magical that happens when creatives get together and talk about, like it just raises the project 
to a whole other, I think a whole other spiritual level, actually, mm-hmm. when that can be provided. And, and, and I know more and more publishers are moving that way, which I'm so grateful for. Yeah. I remember actually, uh, you did a Zoom very early in Braiding Sweetgrass. You did a Zoom with you and Nicole, and you were at her house in mm-hmm. Santa Fe, sitting at her yeah. kitchen table, I think. <laughs> yes. And then and then Robin came on too, uh, yeah. and it was I think I was like in tears. It was just so beautiful. Like again, there was magic at that kitchen table, having yeah. the two of you just like communicating your vision for this already so beautiful book and how it was going to be shared with young readers. It was it was so lovely. And Mm -hmm. the result is just magic. Mm, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably one of my most proudest works. Yeah. Reading Sweetgrass for Young Adults. Also because it's only six months. I I was going to say, and I'm sure it was, that was not an easy project. Because I think I've taught, I talked to you while you were writing the book and, and because of the turnaround and I mean, it's also probably hard because while you have some creative vision, there is something you're already working for from and you want to be true to that existing creative project and not yeah. easy. It was, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you two did such a great job. So, and I know from the response, I know other people feel the same way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask how you keep hope in your life other than the 23 hopes on your wall. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's cyclical. And what I mean by that is it's the seasons. That really is how in those days and I have them when like my hope is just in the cuticle of my pinky toe, but we have to have hope or else we're defeated before we even begin. Uh, it is nature, right? Like when you look at nature every day, but especially every season reminds us to have hope that the darkness always reveals the light again. When it's just a tiny crescent moon in 28 days, it will be full again. When like today, there's snow covering ground, the ground in three months, the daffodils will be up or less than three months and the cherry blossoms will be out and everybody will be like, Oh my gosh, you're so love- lucky to live on the Kwangan territories or Victoria with all the beauty, right? Like, so that's how I keep hope is from, from the, from nature. Yeah. It's funny. I'm actually working on a nonfiction adult book right now. And a big part of it is talking about hope. And how do we share the light? And when, and also when we need to receive the light, how do we receive the light? And how do we protect our light sometimes from humans who might want more than we are able to give? Right. But I think that's a big part for me about how, like, it's funny you ask that because I, when I look out my office window here, there's an apple tree in our neighbor's yard that hangs mostly over our fence. And this year, because of my travel schedule, I didn't harvest those apples. I didn't do anything with them. And so for like the last few weeks, especially when I've been sitting here, I'm like, oh, those are apples, right? Feeling like, eh. But the last four days when it's been so cold, the birds have been devouring them. There's not a single, there's one tiny little apple left on the tree now. So that's the reminder also, right? Like not to beat ourselves up. 
it's like, okay, well, there was a reason I didn't get them harvested. And that is so that in this harsh winter that we're having right now, the non-human beings are okay. So that's how I keep hope. Yeah. And part of it seems to be like being, like, I know that going for for walks in the forest is a big thing for you. And and I think having those moments where you can be out in the world and, and, and having our eyes open and being open to seeing those small things I think it's it's always amazing to me how hope comes in in just those small experiences when we can be kind of just looking at something outside ourselves to see what else is there. The other day I was sitting on the couch and uh, both my kids were in the living room and they're now 20. And I was like, I was looking outside myself, just like you said. I was like, oh my gosh, those two were actually like once in my belly. And now here they are, these thriving young people who are navigating the world, the ups, the downs, the all arounds. That also gives me hope, Meg, right? Like, yeah. I think there's lots of places to find hope. It's just sometimes we're so depleted that it takes more energy to find the hope than we can, than we might have. And that's when we have to have somebody come along and, and nurture us and nourish us and care for us so that that little flame of hope can kind of get a little bit stronger. And we all have those periods in our lives, right? When we're the ones sharing the light and when we're the ones receiving the light. And that's the cycle. Mm -hmm. And when we remember that, then it's not quite as hard to receive the light, (laughs) right? Because so many of us, it's like harder to be nourished and receive the light. It might be easier to give. That was Monique Gray-Smith. Monique's book, I Hope, was a finalist for the 2023 Bill Duthie Booksellers' Choice Award. If you would like to find out more about the BC and Yukon Book Prizes, visit our website at bcyukonbookprizes.com. You can also find us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks for listening to Writing the Coast.